0: Women, passion, success. Welcome to the all-new Francisca Show podcast on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. Hey, okay, welcome to the show everyone. Today we have a special episode. I know I have closed down No More Silence and I've closed down the art segment, but I will be doing special episodes here and there. This one really caught my eye and I'm excited to be doing it. So welcome to the show, Nahama Linger. She is a high school student living in Silver Spring. She's here to share a story that is very dear to her and personal to her. So welcome to the show. Nahama, tell me how you learned about me. How long have you been listening to this podcast? And why did you want to come on here to share your story?
1: So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to this podcast for like a year and a half at this point. I learned about you through a friend of mine who's sort of ish related to you. And I started listening to your music first. And once I realized you had a podcast, I was super pro that. And I love your podcast because I love hearing what people have to say about their lives and their challenges, which for every person are so individual to themselves. And it's so empowering to me to see how people really got through what was thrown at them. And it really empowers me to see how other people rose above their challenges and were able to conquer them and grow as a person into a much wholer and more meaningful person.
0: Yeah. And I just want to say kudos to you for coming on. Tell us why you're on the show today and what do you want to share with us?
1: Okay. So in seventh grade, I started there are a lot of illnesses that people realize they have when something really big happens, like a boom, you know? This should never happen to anyone. But if a person faints or a person has a seizure or those types of things and a doctor, they get sent to the ER, the doctor looks at them and says, wow, something's really wrong. And then they, you know, do scans, figure it out. And then the doctors can help them. But there are a lot of other illnesses and diagnoses in the world where it doesn't work like that. And a lot of these illnesses and diagnoses are not ones that people generally know about and are not ones that people are generally exposed to. Some of them are more rare, but also some of them aren't as serious or as life-threatening, which is such a blessing because no one wants something that's life-threatening on them. But at the same time, it doesn't spread awareness as fast as some other things might. So I started feeling little pains in seventh grade. I started not really being able to see the board, which is normal for kids who need glasses. You go to the eye doctor, they give you a prescription and you're supposed to be fine. And that's kind of the way it goes. I was very rapidly having more and more little things that were turning into big deals. I for Like I couldn't see the board, but it got to the point where I couldn't read. I would come home and put my hands on my face and bury my head into my bed and just not do anything the whole night. I didn't have an appetite. I couldn't eat. I was always nauseous. I was always dizzy on fast. And I I worked on myself so hard to be a super positive person. So I love being able to bring joy and bring fun to people's lives, But at the same time, that's really hard when you don't feel like there's anything in your life that's giving you simcha because all you're doing is just being in so much pain all the time. So I, you know, going to doctors, going to my pediatrician, other people who were looking at me and saying there's very clearly something wrong, but it's not something I can distinctly put my finger on. And so we have to wait, we don't really know, we have to see. And of course, this whole time, it's just getting much worse. In ninth grade, my eye doctor moved away. She moved to LA and I thought she was amazing. I wanted to be her when I grew up. She was tall. She always wore really high heels. She had awesome hair. I loved her, but she moved away. So we had to get a new eye doctor. And she was short and she didn't wear high heels and her hair was brown. And I was like, oh, I do not want to be here. Nothing against her. She's amazing. But like, I just really liked the person before. So I was anyway going in with a little bit of a prejudice just because I really liked her. She was really nice to me and we had a good time together whenever I would go for appointments to her. I go to my new eye dancer, and she starts doing all these weird tests on me that I never saw before in my life. And I don't know how many people on this podcast who are listening now know this specific test, but I'll just give an example. Sometimes when you go, they give you a little pamphlet, and you open it, and they, you put on these glasses that are supposed to be like 3D glasses. And they sit, and there's a picture of a fly. Okay. And it's like if you're in a 3D movie theater, you put on the glasses, the movie's 3D, and you can see things that look like they're right in front of you, even though they're really not. It's kind of like a trick of vision. So it's exactly the same thing. You're looking at this fly on a page and she says to me, pinch the fly's wings. And I looked at her and I said, which wings? And she said, the fly's wings. Do you see a fly? And I said, I see two of them. And she just gave me this look of you are in deep trouble, young lady. And I was like, what? And I didn't understand that I was like, my eyes couldn't even put together a picture of a fly with the most help they could give me. Anyone else in the world, any three-year-old could put together that picture. And not only could I not even put it together and see it 3D, I didn't even see one fly. There was two of them. And that just showed her so closely that my visual system was dysfunctional, entirely dysfunctional. And at the end of that appointment, she says to me, okay, I'm going to give you bifocals. Bifocals are something that people my age very rarely have. Um, And they're a double lens glasses. So when you look at the top, you can see like the board type of thing. And when you look down the bottom, you can see like something that you would be reading. And she gave me bifocals and she said, there's something called vision therapy that I think you need. And I looked at her in the face and I was like, are you crazy? Like I'm normal. I'm not a weirdo who needs therapy. What are you talking about? I totally had a misconception about therapy, which is something so many people have. And hopefully I'll be able to correct a little bit. I did not want to go at all. We basically left. And I told my mother, I will do anything to not be in therapy. And she said, okay, like I'm, not going to do it if you're so strongly against it. Because if you don't try, then anything that work the doctors are going to put in, you're not going to respond to. So it doesn't really make sense to do it. But my prescription kept getting worse and worse. I kept getting worse and worse. I have an, I go to the most amazing school in the world. I love it. It has a dual curriculum. I'm there for eight hours worth of classes every day. And I love every second of it. But I could not function with that. After first period, I would be wiped. I would be like holding my head the whole day. People would tell me, just take Tylenol, take Advil. But they didn't understand that if I took Tylenol or Advil every time I was in pain, I would be dead because that's how much Tylenol Advil I would take. People didn't understand that. And to, still to this day, I don't take Tylenol and Advil because if you would understand, I would have to take so much of it that like I wouldn't be here anymore. That's how much pain I was in. And so I went back to her the next year. And obviously in the the middle of the year, I kept having more and more appointments with her because I kept needing new prescription because I kept not being able to see. And I kept being in so much visual pain and she did all these tests again. And she was really upset with me again. And she turns to me and she says, you need vision therapy or you need trifocals. And even if you get trifocals, I don't think they're going to work. Trifocals are the lens. I had bifocals at the time, and it's a lens with a third one in the middle. So now I needed three lenses to be able to see. And she didn't even think it was going to work. And I was like, not really so happy with that or okay with that. So I go out and I remember there was four people in the waiting room. There was one patient who was the next one to go in, whose appointment was like half cut off because mine took like a million years long. And there was three staff working there. And this ad actor says talking to my mom and saying how I really need vision therapy or I really need trifocals. And my visual system is not a visual system. There's nothing there. She doesn't know how I'm functioning. She doesn't understand how I go to school every day. She says other people in my situation would literally be depressed because they would have to stay home all the time because they could not go to school and do the things I do and she says that it's only going to get worse and if I don't go then I'm going to be in worse pain than I'm already in for the rest of my life and I'm 15 and hearing this at 15 is very hard and no I might have been 16. I think I was just 16. I remember my mom was like, no, she doesn't need that. And they start arguing about it. And of course, everyone in the room, it's a small room. Everyone's staring at the doctor and my mom. And finally, it gets so heated that my mom was like, you know what? Let's go to another room. So they go to the hallway and the entire waiting room starts staring at me and My mom and the doctor were not quiet because this was a very heated discussion and they could hear every word. And now I was the center of all their attention. So I'm just like looking at the floor, being like, I hope I'm not this big of a problem. And they finished their conversation. We walk out, and my mom says, What do you think we should do? I said, I don't know. And she said, Do you want trifocals? I said, I don't know. She said, I think if we get you trifogals, the same thing's gonna happen like everything else, which is I would have glasses for two weeks, then hate them, be back to all the pain of before, and never wanna wear them again in my life. And she said, I think that's gonna happen. I was like, okay. She's like, do you think we should go for a consultation? I said, I don't know. I was kind of in a state of shock. We get home and I'm pretty upset cause I know that I can't function the rest of my life having this pain and inability to do basic functions that first graders know how to do. But I didn't want to go to therapy. I didn't want to go. We ended up going for a consultation very much against my will. And this was, he walked into the room, my top doctor, and he knew every answer before I even said it. That's how well he knew what was wrong with me. And he basically said that he is what's called an ODFC OVID. And it's a very specialized type of doctor who works with kids and adults, really anyone who have issues with their visual system. And he explained to me that your visual system is codependent on your eyes and on your brain. So what he was telling me at that moment was, it's not just an issue with your eyes. It's a big problem with your brain. Your brain is not taking in information the way other people's does. The point of our the eye part of your visual system is to make light rays, photons, into a currency that your brain can process. So when, your, when those light rays go into the cornea and the lens of your eye, they hit the back of your eye, which is called a focal point in your retina. And your retina tr- gives it, basically transcribes it over your brain in a language that the brain can understand. Like if you would go to another country with American money, they would have no idea what to do with it because it's not the currency they run on. They would have no idea what to say. You have to exchange it for their money in order for it to work in their country for you to be able to buy something. So he explained to me that it's not only my eyes that are the problem. But it's my entire visual system, my entire brain. The way my brain was accepting these light rays or lack thereof was messing up everything else. And he really, I started with him because he understood me so well. And he knew the problems were there. And he knew he understood me to the level that he was able to convince me to use his services as my therapist, my main therapist. And I started and I've been there for, um, I want to say 16 months. And I'm still not done. But thank God, a lot of progress has been made. And we hope to continue
0: that. Wow, what a story. First of all, congratulations on getting over yourself and going to therapy. Thank you. I'm really curious. What was that big resistance? What were the thoughts in your head that made it so impossible for you to even consider therapy? Like, I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. yeah, of course. Okay, so I think the best way to explain this is I was listening to a podcast, and my there was a rabbi speaking. I think it was Rabbi Glock, Rabbi Tzvi Glock, who's the founder of Abba And they asked him the same question. They said, "Why are people so reluctant to use therapy and to use it and to talk about it?" And he said, "I quote the S word, shidduchim." And I'm not worried about shidduchim yet. I'm only in eleventh grade, and that wasn't, you know. But as an overarching thing, he explained it so well. We're scared of what people are going to think of us, right? And at that point, I didn't realize that therapy was just a word for. You need help, and we're giving it to you. Instead, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be such a weirdo. And that was scary for me. I was only in high school, and I didn't want to be that kid. And I was scared of the way people were going to think about me and perceive me, and that people weren't going to want to be my friends, which is totally irrational because I have the best friends in the world. But I was scared of what people were going to think about me. And I think part of it also was that, once you start these programs, you don't really know the road ahead. You don't really know what's going to happen. I had no idea it was going to take this long. It does not usually take people this long. I had a really bad case. Still have, excuse me, it's still going on, but I was scared of how people were going to think about me. And I was scared I was going to be stuck in it forever.
0: I believe there's Well, I have no idea what it's like anymore because I feel very outside of the mainstream, mainstream communities. But a physical disability is different than a mental one. So talk to me about that.
1: Okay. So what I have kind of falls a little bit in the middle of those two. It's actually, I I didn't see 2020 for the first time for five years straight. I wasn't able to see perfectly. And when I did, I put on glasses, those glasses that were letting me see 2020, and I wrote something, and I actually have something exactly on that. I have it right in front of me. Do you mind if I read it? Okay. I say, I have a tremendous vision disability. The best way to explain it is through a scenario easy for most to understand. Say you see a person missing a leg. You never yell at them to get up. You never say, I can do it. Why can't you? You're stupid. Look at how I am succeeding in this easy task while you just sit there lazily. Honestly, that's just about the rudest thing you can say to that fellow human being. And that's kind of the best way to explain what I have. It is 100% a disability. I can't read the way you do. I can't see the way you do. I can't see depth the way you do. My eyes don't stimulate. I don't have a focusing system that's functional like you do. And it's awful when people don't understand the depth of what you really have struggles doing. Um, It's not physical. So no one's going to look at it. It's not like this person missing a leg saying you're stupid. Get up. I can do it. Um, But people say the same thing because they don't realize that you have a disability. And I don't expect anyone to understand because no one else is me. So God gave me this challenge and God made me with my exact talents and, you know, co and everything to be able to go through this challenge the way I'm doing it. So I don't expect anyone else to understand, but I expect everyone else to respect. And that's where the line between physical disability and what I have is very different. Everyone who sees someone with a physical disability doesn't say rude, terrible things to them like that. But since my disability is inside of me, it's a problem with my brain. It's a problem with my eyes. Um, so no one understands unless I tell them. So people do say insensitive things and people do, um, you know, say they don't believe me. That's not really a thing. You're wrong. And I'm like, I'm not wrong. (laughs) I can prove it to you. Um, but, um, that's really, I think in the big realm of disabilities, that's really where mine falls differently from a physical, um, from a physical disability, mental disabilities kind of have a similar thing, um, but it's not really the same diagnosis. Diagnosis, sorry, because um, what I have, I don't think it's mental because it's it is in my brain, but it's not like it's not what people usually refer to when they say a mental illness.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. I don't think that is what I was referring to when I said a mental illness. Uh, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic tr- stress disorder, postpartum depression. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's not really. Yeah, that's not what I have. And there's a lot more also. I This is not so accurate, but I'm curious about that. Do you have any enhanced other skills that, for example – blind people have enhanced hearing because they are so skilled in using their hearing. So is there some superpower that you have because of this disadvantage?
1: So not in that way, but I think the persistence and the ability to never give up and never stop is almost like a sense because when you use that mindset to look at anything in your life your life almost automatically becomes a series of challenges that god gave me to make me better instead of this is awful this is so hard i never want to do this again i'm so i'm so scared i'm in so much pain i don't know what to do yeah so the persistence that i've gained from here is so important to me that it's not a sense but it is something that i definitely gained from this whole process.
0: It's definitely a very valuable skill. Tell me this. How did your friends react when you did tell them that big scary thing that you were going to therapy? Was <laughs> no. it that bad? No, it was
1: a lot of it was in my head, that fear of telling people. And that's kind of why I'm here is because I believe that it doesn't make me, it makes me a better person that I'm in therapy. It makes me a better person that I'm going in please God, my later life, married, kids, college, all these things, they're super important, but don't you want to deal with your problems before then? Like, don't you think that you would rather not be as sick as I was before you start a relationship with a totally new life partner? That's all these things. And I only told three of my closest friends in the beginning so that they could daven for my Hebrew name so that they could pray for me because I was very, very sick. And they still do pray for me with my full Hebrew name
0: because I really was not doing well at all. So talk to me about the actual therapy and what it is like for you now.
1: Okay. So it's kind of like physical therapy just with your eyes and with your brain. So a lot of it's just like exercises, you know, putting on different glasses, seeing through, you know, different lenses. I don't really know how it's hard to describe it, but like, like red and green glasses, 3d, all these things. And part of, um, Your visual system. There are seven parts of your visual system. And when you go to the eye doctor, they test you for one out of seven parts. And that one part is called eyesight. That means that from 20 feet away, you're supposed to see a letter that's an inch long. That's it. Um, But there are really six other parts. So it's training you for those six other parts based on what your eyes and your brain need at that time. So focusing. S- your eyes stimulating, paralleled vision, seen together how your brain is taking the information that your eyes are sending it, being able to not be a klutz, because if you can't see where things are in space, then you're going to trip over everything, being able to drive, you know, all these things. Yes. I was going to ask you, do you know how to drive? So I do know how to drive. I got my permit while I was still not comfortable on the road, because if the road is going like slanty and like moving all the time, then it's not really so safe to drive. But now, thank God, I am doing much better, making a lot of progress. So I can drive now. Thank God.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. So are there any words of empowerment, inspiration, something that you'd like to share with people who are probably older than you?
1: So actually I was, I told my friends that I was going to be in your podcast and like a whole bunch of them was like, oh, that's my top podcast. Like that's in my most recently listened to. Because a lot of my oh, yeah, my friends like it, you know.
0: So then start telling them to start reaching out so I can get to know them. Okay, awesome. Because I'm only in touch with, primarily old adults? I will let them know. Okay. So do you have any words of wisdom to share? Words of wisdom to share.
1: I think the most important part of my journey was two things. Two things really pushed me through. Number one was that you always have to remember that you're a princess of God. God is our king, but he's also our father. We say that um, of Inu Malkinu during the Sarasameh Teshuvah, the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, we say that on certain days when we fast. And whenever I was going through an exceedingly hard time, I would always remember that because i he's the king. So he, te- he does decide what happens to me and he's in total control of that, but he's also my dad. And if I would ask my dad to help me. If I would tell my dad how much pain I was in, he would want to do everything in the world to help me. That's thing number one, is that you always have to remember who you're a princess of and who's really up there listening to you. And the second thing is that the way you look at your life is the way it's going to be colored. And I say that as somebody who doesn't see colors perfectly. If you decide that This is too hard for me. This is too much. I'm not going to be able to get past it. It's true. You're not. But you have the power to use your brain. And I say that as somebody who has a disability with her brain, to look at the situation that is placed in front of you and to be able to say, I will get through it. I will do it. I am powerful. And by saying that you're powerful and going through these things with integrity and beauty and honor and making a Kadesh Hashem, sanctifying God's name wherever you go, is empowering others to do the same
0: thing. And who do you wanna be when you grow up? Oof, that's a good question. So I don't know. I'm still. Do like... you wanna be an
1: eye doctor? So actually, I did have a time where I did wanna be an eye doctor. So I definitely wanna, please God, go to Israel for a year seminary and then come back and work at his office. Um, his clinic as a therapist, because you don't really need a degree for that. It's a lot of it just learning the exercises, which I basically know all of them, because I've been there for a very long time. And I do want to work there for a little bit while I'm in college. I think I want to go to pediatric cardiac sonography, which is not related at all. But I do want to try to reach out to people who are kind of like me who didn't have as much emotional support from people who could try to understand them and to try to empower teenagers like me, because it's their mindset that's going to get them through. And if they feel empowered and they feel like there are people out there who believe in them, who know that they can do it, who have been through things like this, then it will really be able to push them through a lot easier and be able to accept the,
0: you know, the therapies and the, Appointments. 100%. And, you know, and what's your favorite song of mine? Okay, just like Amy. That's my album. Yay. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for reaching out, writing a bold email to get my attention. I must say that. And congratulations on just having so much maturity and understanding and being very open to learning and trying new things and understanding that you're different and really growing up a little faster than your friends had to.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Friend, thank you so much for listening until the end. And if you enjoyed, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get a notification the next time an episode is out. Have you been thinking of launching a podcast? Great. Let me help you launch and produce your show and take the headache away. Just click on the link in the show notes and make sure to tune in next time. See ya!